Anybody been like me and walked away from situations in life thinking, well, I could have handled that better? Way better. Yeah, probably this week, in fact. Um, those kinds of lessons, <clears throat> depending on the influence of the enemy and the influence of the Holy Spirit, those kind of lessons can move us toward bitter sometimes. I didn't handle that well. And now I've got egg on my face for doing so. God, why didn't you show me a better way in, in the midst of that moment? Or, honey, why didn't you show me a better way in the midst of that moment? Uh, or we can take away the thing that God wants us to, to take away most of the time, and that is you'll seek me ahead of time and be prepared in your mind and in your heart ahead of time. Better will be the result because the lesson will sink in. The lesson of, of failure sometimes causes us to, to head in the wrong direction to, toward bitter instead of better. But he's called us to better instead of bitter. Let's look at this text today from Ephesians chapter 4 as we think about living a transformational life and being not only transformed, but transformers as we navigate our world and navigate relationships that God's placed in our path. So picking up at verse 22 of Ephesians 4, reading down through the end of the chapter, verse 32. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Those who've been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may, be, that it may benefit the, those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Well, I want to see today the, this, distinction, this distinct, distinction, this dividing line between bitter and better in four areas here of this text. The first is this. The difference is a mental attitude. It's a mental attitude. Look at 22 and 23 again. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new, watch this, in the attitude of your minds. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. This idea of being made new in the attitude of our minds is a mental exercise. Swindoll has said, <clears throat> when it comes to the life of a believer, attitude isn't everything, it's the only thing. Meaning, as people see us and look at us, they take away the attitudinal ideas of God as they look at his followers in us. Just so that whatever attitude we portray or live by, that's their takeaway on what God is like and what, what he has to do with and for them. And as we saw last week, that trans real transformation starts in the head. It starts in the mind. This attitudinal shift that we must, we must have and face starts in the mind as well. And so this passage teaches us the biggest change in attitude is made in the mind, is made in the head. So, if that's true, our new self 
that he's talking about in verse 23. Put on this new self, laying aside the old man, the old, the old nature, the old ways, the old mindset, the old self, and clothing ourselves inside and out with this new self. He said that attitude shift comes with the new self, with thinking, thinking in a new way uh, of having, as Patty LaBelle told us, a new attitude. Uh, and that it, that should be true of us. It should be true of believers who seek to be Christ followers. Is that old man? I've got a. In fact, it's sometimes it's a daily chore to beat him down every day. If you're like me, he wants to raise his head in a lot of situations in life, and I have to take a sledge and beat that old guy back down. Stay down. No, no, no. Just keep your mouth shut. Keep your mind in, 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 a, in a healthy place and not in an unhealthy place. Uh, but if that is true, if if, if it's all about attitude. Shouldn't believers be the most positive people on earth? I mean, shouldn't we really? Um, we've got the answer. We've got the truth in our hearts. We've got heaven waiting on us. We've got a spirit living in us to guide us. Yet, some of us, to, to hear us talk and to, hear, to, to watch us walk, uh, are the antithesis of that. Leanne and I like to go to, <coughs> sometimes to SNS cafeteria on Sundays after church. I'm a, I like vegetables, so I have good vegetables. But part of that motive in my heart is to watch the church people come in. I, I, love, I love the people watch. And so <clears throat> I'm watching the church folks come in, the Baptists or second to come in. Usually, in the, in, and then the Pentecostals follow them because they, they don't get out of church till about 2 o'clock in the afternoon sometimes, so we don't stay that long. But watching people come in is, is kind of is kind of funny, and I, I love to watch and kind of assess and do what if things. And there's always this one lady, and she's not the same lady every time we go there. But there's always a lady that comes in that <clears throat> just like this, and she's just come from church, and she's like this. Got this kind of attitude and countenance on her thing, and you know, <clears throat> and I, I, I see it in her spirit. I can almost hear it in her voice. The music was too loud. Somebody had my seat. The preacher preached too long. Nobody welcomed me. Oh, you should have welcomed me. And you think, boy, if anybody ought to have a spirit and a countenance and a, and a, and a verbiage and an expression of hope and, and help and need and, and loving each other, well, it ought to be us, shouldn't it? Yeah, we, we leave church sometimes with a, with a countenance and a spirit of, it looks at least, comes across at least more like bitter than it does like better. Uh, but our new selves here that he's talking about putting on, we've been forgiven, we've been redeemed, we've been, there's a paradise waiting on us. And we ought to be hopeful if anybody ought to have hope. Uh, we ought to be the ones who live with that sense of, that sense of truth. And as, a, as we talked about last week, well, if, if we give bitterness a foothold, and he talks about giving the devil a foothold here in this passage, if we give bitterness a foothold, as we talked about last week, once the enemy tries to get into your head, he doesn't want to pitch a tent there. He wants to pour foundation and build a house in your head. And so when we give him those kinds of, that kind of room, and let bitterness fester over time instead of dealing with it early on, he gets, the, he gets more glory out of us, out of our bitterness, than God does out of our bitterness. Bitterness is a cancer. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. But it's the work of the enemy. And I want you to hear me today. He is relentless. He is relentless in causing you to move to a bitter place and causing that to fester and build over time. It's a, it's, the difference is a mental attitude. Secondly, 
The difference is, is, rec is in recognizing the truth from a lie. Look at 25 to 27. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Watch this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Now, verse 25 is a lesson in the value of transparency, in the value of realness, in the value of authenticity. He's telling us two things in this verse. One is this, to lay down the, fa the facade, the fake us, and put on the, pick up the real us and live in transparency, transparency and realness and truthfulness with each other. Uh, it's, in essence, even being vulnerable to the point of vulnerability with each other and how honest we are with each other. Now, I wonder, and you guys, many of you come here every week, I wonder how, how well person sitting next to you or the pew behind you or everybody, somebody else in this room knows the real you. I wonder how well the real you is known in, in a body of believers that care about each other, love each other, build each other up, pray for each other, encourage each other, want to be there for each other. I wonder how well the real us is known by another person in this room. Or if the Sunday us dresses up, looks all right, speaks pretty well, sings a song or two, throws something in the plate, encourages somebody, shakes a hand. I wonder if, if how well the real us is known, how, if it were, how that would come across to other folks. That's what he's called as true, truthfulness and, and authenticity and transparency with each other. That's what the body ought to look like. The second thing that the, I think this verse teaches is not only do we need to break down the facade and, and the false us, we need to speak truth to the lies of, of this culture. And this culture is lying to us. It's lying to us regularly. <laughs> And intentionally. And we need to speak truth into those lies. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. You have heard probably, depending on how old you are, most of your life, about the separation of church and state. The separation of church and state in our culture means keep the church out of the state. You know what the founders intended? To keep the state out of the church. And so we've bought this, this lie and it believed for years and years that we just need to keep our mouths shut when it comes to who we vote for and how we vote, who we put in office, and the value system that, that, that drives those kinds of things. But, or, or, and keep the in office, keep the Lord out of the conversation. And the, the founders' intent was to permeate the, the, the culture and government with the, 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 the truth of the reality of, of God's love for each other. That's probably no better seen than in the early part of our our culture as a nation, where. Most, if not all, the, gover the, the uh, governmental meetings, the meetings of government was handled in the church slash town hall slash school. It was all one building at the center of town. There was this, there was this sense of everything permeating itself into, into the life of, of each other and, and, and of how we rule ourselves and govern ourselves. Yet, that's a lie that we need to keep our faith apart from how we are governed. It's, it's, it's an integral part. In fact, I've had conversations with folks over the years about this very truth that, that <clears throat> you can't, <clears throat> excuse me, you can't legislate morality and law. And while that's specifically true, my comeback and response is you shouldn't legislate without it. We shouldn't have anybody sitting in seats making decisions without a sense of morality. Where, do, where does our, our, our sense of morality come from? It has to come from somewhere absolute, and here it is. And this book was pivotal in the founding of our nation and should be 
should find its, its welcome place again. We, we should see to that in how we put people into office. That was the founder's intent. We also see in this verse that anger is the, is the catalyst, is the seed to bitterness. He says here, uh, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Uh, he's, he's saying there that we need to see the value in dealing with it in a timely way and putting it to bed at the end of the day. The end of the day marks the end of my anger. I wonder how that's true, how true that is with most of us. I've, uh, Ronnie and Sammy can tell you that I've, as I've counseled with them, counseled more recently with Logan and Alicia, that I tell them how to have a healthy fight. How to, how to have a healthy fight and how to fight in marriage is to clean it up. Keep it cleaned up at the end of the day. Don't go to bed mad at each other. Deal with it that day and let that be done with it. Even if, it, even if there's no resolve, the anger is gone at the end of the day. That's why it's counseling in any marriage, whether it's brand new, whether you've been married for 100 years like Doc has in June, to clean it up, to, 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 to deal with it and put it to bed at the end of the day. That's, that's, that's why it's counsel for all of us because the longer it festers, the more bitter we become. And the more anger give root, gives itself root to bitterness, and bitterness starts to rise up. And we didn't intend for it to be that way, yet we, we raise our heads five years later, ten years later, and how did I get to this place where I've carried that for this many years? Because I didn't put it to bed at the end of the day. Anger festers and becomes bitterness. That's true of, of all of us. So recognizing the truth from the lies is one of the ways of making the difference between bitter and better. Thirdly, not only is it a mental attitude, not only is the difference found in recognizing the truth from a lie. Thirdly, the difference is in recognizing, and we've just looked at this, recognizing that words matter. Look at verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may, be, that it may benefit those who listen. Only what is helpful in building others up. Now notice that the structure of this verse is not possessive in the sense that it's not just talking about what we say to each other, but it's talking about what we say about each other, behind each other's backs, uh, when, when others are not around. Now, the question there is, are we building each other up or tearing each other down? Is there a sense of, you know, I don't, on the surface, I don't agree with what she just said or what he just said, but my heart trusts their heart because their heart belongs to Jesus. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to try and build that up and, and, as opposed to, to tearing that and them down. In fact, mama was right. Most of our mamas told us, can't, if I can't find something nice to say about somebody, just keep your mouth shut. And mama was right. And we, that should be the, the, the way in which believers deal with and, get, and, and, and handle our, our, what we say about each other and to each other face to face. Because uh, what we say and the way we say it, getting back to this attitude idea that we started with, what we say and what we, the way we say it matters. It's a reflection, <clears throat> as I said earlier, of not just us, but of our, our Lord also. And it's vital to understand that all this is connected. That <clears throat> to, to understand that <clears throat> every, every verbal filter starts in the mind. That if we're going to filter what we say, we have to first of all filter how we think. It makes this, this uh, text from 2 Corinthians 10.5 ring true in, in how we are to take every thought captive. The way we do that is there's got to be a filtration system in place where our, 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 our verbiage is sifted by what is, what is processed in the brain, what is processed in the mind. And when we can get in the habit of that, 
and it is a habit. It's learned behavior. When we spout first and think second, we usually get most of us do get in trouble. When we, can, when we can learn to process what we're hearing and process how we respond to it before we respond to it, there's some filtration in place. And that's always a wise thing to pursue, a wise thing to, to teach ourselves, process to teach ourselves. And again, it helps us to take every thought captive and helps us understand that the, the redeemed us, the transformed us, the new self us is the one who filters the, the process of what we say and how we say it, the attitude with which we say it. And our, our minds are to, to speak, to lead us to speak things that build each other up, transformational things, things that benefit, he says in this verse, each other. And I wonder how much, how well that's true of us. If, if people look from the outside in on you, if, if they would see, well, when you're around them, don't you just leave feeling better? Or if they say about you, how quick can I get away from them? Because every time I'm around them, I, I leave feeling like, that's true. Why, why go on? Why, why, why find myself in their company? It should be said of believers, of Christ followers, but when I leave them, I feel better. There's just a fragrance that they, there's an attitude, there's the way they bring themselves across to other folks. It is Christ-like, and that's what most folks can't see but need to see. Words matter. The difference is not only in our attitude and recognizing truth from a lie, Recognizing that words matter, but the difference is also finally is choosing better over bitter. And it's a choice when we choose better over bitter. Look at 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Get rid of all, of all bitterness, Forgiving each other. Now look at the byproducts of bitterness in this, in this verse. The byproducts of bitterness is a, of a bitter mind and a bitter heart is anger, slander, and malice. Real attractive traits, right? Anger, slander, and malice are the byproducts, the, the outgrowth of bitterness. Now let's look at the better byproducts. The, the products of bitter, byproducts of bitter are kind, compassionate, forgiving. Can I give you... Tim's paraphrase of these, these two verses, it's this. How dare we be unforgiving when we consider what God has done for us? How dare we not forgive someone else when we consider how deeply and, and completely and, and unconditionally we've been forgiven ourselves? He said, set that, set that aside and let's get rid of it. Do you know why I think uh, this verse tells us to rid ourselves of bitterness of every kind? I think there's two reasons for that. One is this. The bitterness is a cancer. It's a cancer that if allowed over time will consume us. And we don't even notice it. We become like the lady at S&S. And we look like this. We talk like this. And we come across that way. We didn't intend to. We didn't set out to become that. We, have, we found ourselves over a process of time becoming the very thing we, we hated. And we started to, uh, hated to see in other folks and are seeing those things in ourselves. It's a cancer. When I learned that I had prostate cancer several months ago, my doctor came in the room and told me about that. Uh, went over my options with me of what some treatment options were and went over about three or four things, five things. I said, Tim, I think honestly whatever you choose, whatever method of treatment you choose is going to be successful. I really do. I believe, I believe we've caught this at an early point, and so I think whatever you choose, but you have to make the choice of what is going to be your, what you feel comfortable with going, going forward. 
And I didn't tell him that day, but it was already in my mind that the choice was already made. He said, think about this, because each of these are viable, uh, probably productive options for you. So think about this. And each of them have pros and cons to them. But my thought a couple of weeks later as I met with him to tell him what I wanted to do was the thought that when I heard it come out of his mouth was the same thought. And that is, cut it out. Let's get it out. If it's cancer, I want it out of my body. I don't want to try and zap it and hope that it's zapped. I want it out. If it's bad and it's in, let's get the bad on the inside, outside. That was my thought. That's the very thing he's talking about in this verse. Get rid of it. Cut it out. Take a knife, sever it, whatever it takes to get it out of your system and out of your mind and out of your heart. Get rid of bitterness. It's a cancer that builds and grows over time. And we find ourselves becoming the person we didn't want to become. That's, that's the first truth about this. The other reason is this. It's because bitterness, I believe, is rooted in an attitude of entitlement. Because it's rooted in an attitude of entitlement, we can read verse 23 to, to, to see again, well, attitudes matter. And an attitude of entitlement would lead me to bitterness. And he says here that uh, we're to reflect righteousness and holiness in verse 23. You know what that means? What is right and what is pure. That our attitudes, our minds, need to deal with what is the right thing to do in this situation and what is the purest thing to do in this situation. That's what righteousness and holiness is referring to. So as, as our attitudes think on rightness, <laughs> rightness and purity, it's exactly what is it, it, the things that will root out bitterness that's in our mind and our heart. And that's, that's the way to better is thinking right and thinking pure thoughts. It's a discipline. It's learned behavior. I wish I could tell you, you can make your way from your seat to this altar this morning and say, God, root out bitterness in me and leave and never deal with bitterness again. You know what's, you know what's going to happen tomorrow? You can make this decision today. The enemy's going to visit you with bitterness tomorrow. He's going to remind you of a bitter heart and a bitter spirit. He's going to remind you of how you've been wronged, of how someone has put upon you what they've said about you or a friend or a family member or a loved one. He's going to try and root that bitterness back in. It's a process. It's a discipline. It's learned behavior to discipline my mind and my attitude to think of what is right and what is pure as opposed to what I'm entitled to, what I deserve, what should have been mine in the first place. A couple of observations, and we'll wrap up. That's this. Betterness or bitterness are situational choices we make every day. I just touched on that to say every day we, we start ourselves, from, attitudinally at least, when we leave the house. Is today going to be a day of bitterness or a day of betterness? Am I going to look at my life and think, I, should, I deserve that. As I look at their life, I deserve what they have. I deserve what they seem to, the happiness they seem to walk with and live with. Am I going to am I going to make the choice today to say, God, as I stand before you at the end of this day, and I raise my hand like I did at the beginning to say I could have done that better, way better than, than how I handled it. Would that be would that be would that find its way into the path of how I think on a regular basis and discipline discipline my mind on a regular basis to say I want to see the right thing, Holy Spirit help me to see the right thing. Scripture, help me to know the right thing and pursue the right thing again and again and again. It is discipline, learned behavior. And I'm going to tell you this, and I've told you this before, the enemy hates losing. He hates losing. The more you win, the more he'll leave you alone. The more he wins, the faster he comes and the harder he comes. He hates losing, and he hates the Word of God. He hates the Scripture. So if I speak truth back to him, uh, it is a discipline. It's learned behavior. And these choices we make situationally every day, you know, we make them every day with money, with time, with, with relationships. These situational choices we make every day are choices that are steeped in attitude. They're choices that are about truth, 
There are choices that are revealed in how we, how we speak, what, what, what words we use and the ways, the attitudes we use. And, uh, that these are choices that are seen and noticed and have, have a ripple effect out of our life. Bitterness or betterness for situational choices. The last observation is this, and it's, it's probably patently obvious, but it's this. Sometimes we can't control what happened to us, what transformed us, what changed us. But we can't control how we respond to it. We can't control what is transformational about it. We can't control what has transformed or changed our circumstances with that situation. But we can, in every situation, control how we respond to that and whether that becomes transformational in us and consequently in us, through us, into the lives of other folks who see, well, life just poured them a bunch of crap. And they're walking through it in a way that I hope I would have the strength and enough gumption and enough humility and enough enough of whatever they have to walk through it the same way they were walking through it. We tell a story every day with our lives, and our response, whether it's attitudinal or whether it's verbal, our response tells that story of whether that has bittered us or bettered us, of, of, of how those same circumstances people look at our lives from the outside in to say, somebody just somebody just landed on them, and and nobody would blame them to fire off and spit back spew some, some vitriol back in the situation. Nobody would blame them for that, but, but they handled that in such a gracious way. You know what, what was handled in a gracious way? The Holy Spirit took over, and the enemy lost because rightness and pureness won out over bitterness. Uh, but this, this is a hard lesson to learn. That's why I wanted to share this with you today. In, in thinking of our living transformationally, we've got to beat bitterness down. It's the enemy. And I'm going to tell you, if it's not in your life, the enemy's going to chase you with it about something, about some conversation, about some failure, about something that's happened <laughs> to tell you what you deserve and to tell you how God didn't come through for you. And I'm bitter and I'm mad at God because of it. I want you to understand there's nothing. We talked about this uh, Wednesday night at group. There's nothing that God does not allow or cause into our life to better us, not to make us bitter, but to push us and see our inadequacy in, in, in and of ourselves and our own strength and realize I can't do this apart from him. I can't make this work apart from him. He's designed for those situations to, to, to better us instead of bitter us. And if they do, we'll see his nature and his, his ways and his hand. And if they don't, well, the enemy's going to come after us again and again and again. But it's choice, and it's a situational choice every day. Better or bitter? How are you going to choose?